Thank you for joining Radio Maria England. We now present Feasts and Seasons, presented by Joanna Bogle. Hello, this is Feasts and Seasons, and I'm Joanna Bogle. In a previous broadcast, I said I didn't like August very much. I it's my, my least favourite month. Well, I'm afraid that still holds good. I'm not that keen on very hot weather. And I do like lots of things happening. And it's September, isn't it, when schools go back, we hope, and all sorts of things begin again. And I, I'm a groups person. You know, I, I actually like all those sort of organisations that meet in church halls. And I love leading history walks around London. And I'm involved with a, a number of projects which have been on hold because of the virus and so on, which will be starting again. And I enjoy all that sort of thing. I can just hear some listeners thinking, oh, how unbearably hearty. Well, there you are. I put it down to my parents. They encouraged me to be a brownie and a girl guide and Duke of Edinburgh's ward, and I'm afraid I loved it all. But actually, I am being a bit unfair to August. It's true that it's September when the schools go back and so on. But August does have pleasures of its own. And it does have a great ring of history to it. Why is it called August? Well, as you probably know, it's one of those things you're taught. Uh, it's named after the Emperor Augustus. Yes, but why? He is BC, before Christ, not a Christian emperor, one of the great pagan emperors. And the month, the sixth month, as they called it, the sixtus month, the sixth month, was the month of his greatest conquests when he conquered part of what we would call today Egypt. He was an august person. That's where the word comes from. We still sometimes use the expression, don't we? Sometimes rather ironically, oh, I met so-and-so, a very august sort of person. Or we might use it in the real sense, referring to some very famous person or some monarch or whatever. Augustus. He gives us the month of August. And that reminds us, and this is a bit that gets interesting, you see, where do we get our calendar from? Where do we get a lot of the structure of our days from? Well, from the Romans. Do you remember the joke from the comedy program? What did the Romans ever do for us? Well, a lot, as we know. Here in Britain, I'm speaking from London, we think of the long, straight Roman roads. And even when I was a child, they were still very much the framework we used before the great curling motorways of today that swoop their way around the country and come up with a kind of spaghetti junction where they all intertwine. The Roman roads, think of Stain Street and Watling Way, were the original structure that was given to our country when it was under Roman occupation when we were part of the Roman Empire. The Romans gave us their numerals, and you still see that Roman numerals on major monuments and so on. And yes, they gave us our calendar, calculating the phases of the moon, dividing a year into months, originally 10 months, and then under Julius Caesar, we're still before Christ now, BC, into 12 months, July for Julius, August for Augustus. And here's the point. It was into that Roman Empire, not coincidentally, but by God's plan, that our Saviour, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, Almighty God himself, was born into this world. Into our world, 
and worked as a carpenter and walked about and ate and drank and was an ordinary human being, but also almighty God. God planned it all from the very beginning, every single detail, choosing the Jewish people to be his very own people and preparing them from Abraham onwards, leading them through the desert with Moses. Christ was born of the house of David into the people long prepared to receive their Messiah. So Christ was born into the Roman Empire, into the Roman era, into that great civilization which stretched across what is today France and Italy, and yes, included Britannia, Britain, our country. The Roman Empire provided the framework, the network of roads, the communication structure through which the Christian faith could be spread. Peter, the first pope, it is said, made his way to Rome, and there's a lot of evidence that he did, and even more evidence that he died there, and that the great basilica of St. Peter's today stands over the place where he's buried. Rome, the Roman Empire. Augustus Caesar and Julius Caesar gave way to the gentle, quite different reign of Christ. And the Christian era began through the network of that Roman Empire and has gone way beyond it. To countries Caesar never knew, to roads and sea journeys and air journeys unknown to the Romans, to Australia, to the New World of the Americas, to Africa, to Asia, to India, to China. Now the whole world is coming to know of Christ. So when we think of August, we think of Augustus Caesar. We think of the conquering of the Romans. We think of the calendar they gave us and the structure they gave us, which has been of use to us as the Christian message is spread. And that gives us an understanding of the greatness of God and the way he uses human instruments to work out his purposes in history, in time, in the greatness of things, and of course, in our own lives. Because unlike the Romans long ago, unlike Augustus Caesar, unlike Julius Caesar, we know that God loves us, each one of us personally. And so although we look at the feasts and seasons of the year, we note the phases of the moon and the passing of the seasons and darkness and light and the hot weather and the cold and so on. But we know that God is in charge and that we cooperate with him as he invites us to do and in a mysterious way requires us to do both to spread his word through the church, through the mission of the church, through all the missionaries going out to different lands, lands the Romans never knew, and in our own lives. We ask him what he asks of us. What would you have me do, Lord? And in return, he showers us with blessings and points us in the right direction as we make the big decisions about our work and our hobbies, our way of serving others, our family lives, our marriages. We understand that just as God is author of time and the feasts and the seasons, so he's author of our own lives. He invites us to cooperate with him, to listen to him to be his instruments in the world, and to be led by him. August has lots of lovely feasts, and I'll be talking about more of them in the weeks ahead. Ever heard of Bartlemas? And do you know its connection with apples dipped in honey? How much do you know about the exaltation of the Holy Cross in September? How much do you know about Blessed Margaret Clitheroe as August ends? Do you know about St. Aidan? What about Gregory the Great, again a September saint? 
as we work through history, we honour the as we work through history, we honour the seasons and we honour the feasts of the church and her saints. And as one month gives way to another, and August August gives way to September. Now the ninth month, once the seventh month, hence its name. So high summer gives way to the gentleness of autumn. And we look ahead and see the whole of the church's year stretching out before us. In the distance, but just about visible as August reaches its climax, is Advent and the start of a new church year. It'll be important for us this year because the bishops of England and Wales are going to use the first Sunday of Advent as a great come-back-home call, once again saying Sunday Mass really is an obligation after the months of having it more relaxed because of the coronavirus. Stay tuned to Feasts and Seasons. Find out about some of the saints I've just been mentioning, August and September, and let's look further ahead and see the new church year stretching ahead of us with all its evangelistic opportunities. We may not all be as august as Augustus Caesar of old, but we are the inheritors of a rich and beautiful Christian culture. And yes, the summer season has its own joys, its saints, and its fun. Let's enjoy August and listen in for more about feasts and seasons.